Good morning, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this weekend. A little late this week on publishing an episode, which uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, I don't know how it is where you are. I'm going to get up from my desk. It's uh, gorgeous here today. It's Saturday morning, and the snow is just kind of falling really gently. It's picking up slightly right now, but it's kind of falling, sifting through the sky like powdered sugar, I guess, just very slowly piling up. We're going to get, I don't know, three to four inches, I think. It's just a real slow, easy, just lovely snow kind of all day long. Good day to write or read or whatever. Um, yeah, so anyway, I wanted this a uh, little weekend update. Wanted to uh, <laughs> start out with, I don't know if you'll care about this, but I do. My harvest went uh, really well on Thursday. It's not perfect. Never is, never has been. It's sort of my main pain point, the the main reason I'm so small. Anyway, I was up at 4.30 a.m. and was home from delivering to the two locations of the co-op, Mount Royal, and two restaurants just prior to 4 p.m., just in time to see my son heading off to work. And I can't tell you what a relief two vehicles is. I'm going to probably keep talking about that for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, I suppose after the kids leave, we'll, uh, you know, go back to one. Um, anyhow, uh, and then, though it was about zero degrees outside, I was able to comfortably empty all 40 or so trays outside because a bright, happy, happy sun was blasting me on my westward-facing outside workspace. I just love doing that outside because it's so messy. I mean, it's dirt and roots and compost sort of debris you know from after the harvest and it's you know it's a lot um often i do this when it's getting dark which can be rough my hands will just freeze you know i come inside and wash them in hot water <laughs> and then go back out anyhow uh then i got the bins all loaded up for the pig lady speaking of the pig lady my um i just love calling her that the uh when when the grow space was built this summer, I you know I'd referred to her as the pig lady because he asked where I put all this compost. And like there's these two large rolly carts outside that she comes and takes for her pigs. And and it's really cool. I'll, I'll probably go up there and maybe I'll even do a show show someday. But they live way you know like north of two harbors. I mean totally off grid on. Um, you know they have a windmill and solar power i mean it's i mean it's it's pioneer living up there <laughs> i mean they're they, they they really work they work so much harder than me anyway the carpenter said uh when she came and picked up the stuff he said are all pig ladies that attractive because <laughs> she's just a young um you know it's just a young mother you know and it's just funny uh, calling a pig lady anyway uh then i scrubbed all the trays and took my first bath in years all by 7 p.m i mean that just that just never happens on the big harvest day and in, in fact a lot of times i'm scrubbing the trays on the day after which can can kind of ruin the day after because like you know i'll take breaks and it'll instead of taking like an hour it'll be like three hours <laughs> you know um anyhow uh that long crazy day like I said it's why I haven't grown the business more and 
In fact, I, I've, I've shrunk the farm down to this point of minimum viability over a period of years. And I think, you know, maybe as I build efficiencies into this new grow space, you know, for example, I'm still waiting to get this plumbing hooked up for this big, this double wide stainless steel sink, which is just going to be life changing. Um, I think I, I can slowly add additional streams of income at that point. We'll see. But I, I, I do it very slowly and I'm, I'm very reticent to do it. And it's only at the right the right partners, the right opportunities. So for this week, for example, uh, one of my restaurants, Lake Avenue Cafe, they're down in Canal Park. Great place. Anyhow, they shared Tiny Farm Duluth on their Instagram page, which prompted McQuaid's Pub and Grill um, up in Two Harbors to reach out to me for product. And normally, I, you know, I don't del I don't deliver up there. So I had to kind of push pause on that notion. And normally I would just dismiss it. But, you know, I mean, if you can if I can land a, another client partner like uh, the new scenic cafe, perhaps. It, it just might be worthwhile adding the 45 mile round trip situation um, up there if, if maybe we did it the day after harvest and combined it with an outdoor excursion or something like that. I loved running the Superior Hiking Trail and you know stuff like that. It would just be an, uh, an opportunity to, to get out more. It looks like a really cool restaurant actually and I, I see the guy launch the business during the pandemic, which, you know, can you imagine the amount of courage that takes? I mean, those these restaurateurs are they're the ultimate rock and rollers. I mean, no doubt about it. They have a whole other relationship with risk than the rest of us. And because of that, and after a little Google and Instagram stalking, I, I reckon I'll reach out to him soon to see if he'll meet me meet with me over one of his burgers and a beer over on his dime <laughs> for a genial chat. And, it, you know, at this stage of my work, I only bring on partners who who truly appreciate this sort of fresh product and who are fun to work with. Um, you know, the sort of folks I can get behind and cheer on their success and increasingly important roles in the community. Um, you know, maybe a better word for these types of clients is friend. Speaking of these, I'm three weeks into a new client relationship that's super low-key, but is allowing me to work through how to handle the increasing number of people who love my product but strongly dislike the plastic clamshell it comes in, which has always been a necessary evil. On balance, I think most customers can still make the compromise if they consider that my daily work, um, nor my wives, my you know, well, including my wife's, does not require any sort of commute by automobile. Even my kids are fortunate enough to walk to school. Also, my weekly delivery route is extremely efficient at about 21 miles round trip since I live in the city. I mean, we really don't drive much. I mean, we're like the elderly of the, of the neighborhood. <laughs> so anyway, all that said, I do need to work out something, though. I ordered some... Um, containers I thought could go through a dishwasher but they just turned out to be quite flimsy and would break and would defeat the purpose so this week we're going to try out mason jars um anyway back to the main point the relationship works because the individual happens to own one of the restaurants I already frequent so I can simply put her product in the walk-in cooler also she lives just a few blocks away for um 
you know, to aid in convenience in returning the containers. And perhaps most important, she's, like I said, super low key and understands I'm muddling through this process with her. She's really a partner in this whole thing. So I, th I think she can feel pretty dang good about spurring me toward a future with a bit less waste as I slowly add a handful of others into this model. Um, this really isn't for everyone, obviously, because I mean, I can't drive all across town for piddly $10 orders. Also, it makes no sense for dozens of people to drive here, burning gas as they go to collect products from my porch in Lakeside. That's just my neighborhood in Duluth. Um, I mean, that's just the truth. And they all realize it, you know, after a few weeks of doing that. I mean, we've, we've done little things over time. But for this select group of people who live nearby or regularly pass through, maybe it'll make sense to have them collect jars from a cooler on my porch. We'll see. What's more, I'm enjoying this new client relationship. Um, as I said, these restaurateurs are the, the ultimate rock and rollers. I'm building a relationship simply by meeting this person's needs and preferences, which honestly is one of the best parts of running your own business. Back in the old Dilbert cubicle days, I felt relatively walled off from the community because my primary attention went toward serving the, the whims of the distant mothership. It's fascinating because I have a really solid notion of who my farm customers are after thousands of interactions like these and those three years of face-to-face -face sales at the farmer's market. I mean, just hustling. That said, I have, I've really failed to get a grasp on who my potential readers are. You know, I mean, the folks who will actually purchase and enjoy my books, which has been a real wrestling for me. At the moment, I'm trying to set that aside and appreciate the fact that I have creative freedom. The farm gets me up and at them each day, forces some structure into my week, and gets me out in the community. It's fairly dialed in, so I think I can pour more of my creative energy at this point into writing, and maybe I can even bring a damn the torpedoes mentality into this work, because I'm not expecting much monetary success. Um, at least this is the sort of freedom I hope to unleash at any rate. This is easier said than done because as I've alluded to previously, I'm sort of caught in the middle between kind of the big factions that we're all aware of in the world. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you, you really wrestle with it. You know, I mean, I'm going to just sit here and, and keep polishing this huge book for, you know, years and then, you know, I don't know, sell one or 2,000 copies. I mean, it just... I don't know. I just wrestle with it. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and you have to move beyond the perfectionism and, and just put something out there that's just imperfect. You know, and this brings me to sort of in a roundabout way, the reason I didn't publish an episode on Tuesday on this podcast. It's because it's, 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 been, it's been pretty hard for me to take my own advice as I obsess about content for the podcast over the fact that the number of listeners are still quite small. I mean, you know, for, I mean, I think this is my 19th episode and I'm going to go over 500 listens, you know, just to give you an idea. <laughs> um, I mean, 500 total listens after you know, 19 episodes, you know, it'll be probably, you know, be, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> sorry. I know you guys want to just listen to me giggle over here. That'll be one show. You know, like we actually have a, a group of in Duluth, uh, I think they're called the Laughing Club, and they get together 
I think the county courthouse downtown and they just stand around and laugh for like a half hour <laughs> I just think it's the craziest thing I should go down there just to see what it's like record it anyhow um, the point is I, I just need I just need to loosen up and have fun with this platform because I have no desire to ever monetize this thing I want to keep doing it though I really do enjoy it um, the other problem is Oh, wait, yeah, let me just mention, speaking of monetizing this thing, <laughs> just to contradict myself, I love contradictions. I'm holding in my hand this, con I, this week I got um, at Mount Royal Fine Foods, really close to where my, my, my microgreens are. So my microgreens are on the back wall in the produce section. And if, you, and if you move towards the rest of the store, it's maybe two or three aisles, and it's on an end cap. I got the Country Blend cereal from Homestead Mills. And this place, it's lo it's really cool. It's located up in Cook, Minnesota. So I think that's like two hours north of here, maybe hour and a half. I don't know. I mean, it's up there. Yeah, getting getting closer to Canada. And uh, this, this Country Blend cereal is uh, comprised of cracked wheat, rye, wild rice, and whole flax. And it, it's a bit more of a commitment than the Bob's Red Mill stuff I told you about before. You, it, it takes you like 15 to 20 minutes to, uh, you know, to, to cook it. But it's like so much more to chew on. It's just, uh, I just love it. It's it's really good. I think it cost five fifty nine, something like that. But it's there's a little bit more. It's I think it's 32 ounces, and it comes in a muslin bag, so it's like really kind of soft and um, pleasing, very kind of old fashioned looking anyhow I, I i i would think it would be hilarious to have homestead mills sponsor the podcast you know like one cup of coffee a week <laughs> and then buy me a coffee five bucks you know <laughs> i would totally do it and go through all their different there's several cereals i mean it took it took me a while to decide which one and i finally grabbed this and um you know, any, anyway, I could imagine like mentioning, hey, and they're going to be selling it at the new at the uh, general store out in, uh, in Mattawa. You know, it's just a little village somewhere near here. Um, anyway, and then speaking of um, coffee, uh, I just want to thank Andy Larson for buying me a cup of coffee at, at the link in the show notes um, uh, after the last show. So thank you, Andy. It, it uh, means a lot and it, uh, it really helps encourage me, you know, to keep to, to keep going with this. Anyway, back to what I'm talking about. Um, so the other problem with this podcast thing is that it can easily scratch this creative itch that I have. And while it's great to have this outlet, and you know, and these sorts of things have happened, you know, too, like with my blog and with Instagram. But they're, you know, they're the sort of things that you know that. It allows you to sort of write on stage, which is how I'm kind of approaching it, you know, like just grapple with this, these things openly and, you know, just see uh, how people react and just sort of just wrestle with this stuff and then hopefully be a little more polished in writing. Um, anyway, so while it's great to have this outlet, it's critical for my more enduring long-term goals to put primary focus on finishing this book, for example, which has been just sitting around collecting dust for an uncomfortably long period of time here. I, um, 
it was great. I, 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 I had said it um, the day before work began on the grow room. I, you know, I put it in the hands of my editor. And then, um, you know, I've gotten it back now in September. I got it back maybe October. I don't know. And I, I just I haven't made I've barely made any progress. There's just some problems that I t to deal with. Uh, anyhow, the way out of the quagmire is, frankly, to just understand that the book is not my magnum opus. And I just need to publish it and move on at some point to the next work. I just I'm not going to be able to make everybody happy. And the other thing, um, and I think any, any creative just has to grapple with this. Am I destined to publish work in obscurity for my entire life? You know, it's, I, you know, it's likely. And what, you know, what separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls is the resolve to do the work anyway. We can't all be famous, nor should we want to be. Now, my daughter's reading the diary of Anne Frank, this relates at the moment. And she's done a fair bit of additional research on the side. Anyhow, according to her, <laughs> and I did fact check this, Justin Bieber visited the Anne Frank house in Amsterdam and wrote in the, log, in the log book, Anne was a great girl. Hopefully she would have been a believer. <laughs> it's just crazy. You know, in fairness, he was much younger and this was back in 2013. And I, you know, I don't think he was handling his fame so well. So... Um, that was just an example, uh, you know, and then in juxtaposition to that, I, I'll share in news from the turntable this week, I picked up a Harry Chapin record from 1974 called Verities and Balderdash. And the first song is Cats in the Cradle. And I'm sure there must be other songs that are more influential. Okay. But I can't think of them at the moment. Can you think of one? Can you think of a song that has influenced the culture more? Okay. I think it's a marvelous example of the work influencing the culture rather than the artist's personal superstardom or cult of personality. So I'm holding the liner notes in my hand now. And man, I just love connecting with the music through vinyl, which is, I mean, it's literal as you drop the needle onto the record. I also find myself appreciating things like album artwork, um, getting to know the oft-forgotten performers. I mean, even in the case of classical music, which I'll get to in another show. But anyhow, back to these liner notes. Um, I'm just going to read the first stanza in the Cats in the Cradle um, song, which it, it actually was a poem his, his wife wrote, and he just put it to music. Um, you know, it goes, My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking, for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And I'm sure you know this song well. And it goes all through, you know, the dad doesn't have time to spend spend with the, with the child. The kid grows up and becomes just like his dad. <laughs> and the dad retires, and the kid doesn't have time to, to visit with him as he's in his declining years because he's just like him with uh a crazy life crazy job and I mean this song has had millions of dads weep <laughs> over the years I mean this was produced in 74 and it just it's just as relevant today as it ever was and so many I mean I think honestly I think millions of dads since this song came out have resolved to spend more time with their children 
than they do and it, it it connects with people across all i mean all different viewpoints all different corners you know of the world um it doesn't really matter who you are almost every dad can relate to this and it makes us want to course correct you know when we're when we're failing so once again, I ask you, can you think of another song that has influenced the, influenced the culture more? I mean, there's other songs that, you know, have influenced music more, obviously. Bigger, just more influential, like Bob Dylan uh, influencing, you know, other bands or the Beatles, you know, stuff like that. But as far as, like, trickling into all areas of culture, there must be another one. There must be. But I can you think of one? I don't know. Um, and I didn't like do a Google or anything, but can you think of one? I'd love to hear it. Um, yeah, you can just go to eddiegilmore.com, you know, and uh, let me know. <laughs> of course, most of you already know how to contact me. <laughs> uh, oh, so yeah, I guess that's it. Kind of a, an abrupt way to end. Um, was there, oh, yeah. Also, yeah, so back to this record. Yeah, and on the back, he writes, this album is dedicated to Sandy, who has been more than dedicated to me for eight years. May I be someday what she sees in me. Uh, those are just nice, nice notes, and it's so true. You find the right partner in life. Uh, that's one of the things I've loved about moving my economic activity to the home you know, rather than this sort of dog-eat-dog corporate world where really nobody has your back and, you know, you go through those periods of politics and just, uh, you know, periods of fear where, you know, maybe I'm going to be on the chopping block, and obviously I was once. Um, and, you know, here at home, I mean, my wife has my back and I have her back. It's a totally different feeling, you know, navigating the world together. So there you go. I hope you're having a good week. I'm uh yeah, so anyway, back to this show. I'm yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still jazzed about it. I'm just looking to be more healthy with it and balanced. And we'll just see. You know, uh you know, I don't know if it's going to be every Tuesday or you know, if I if it becomes more like this where you know, it ended up being 11 days later. We'll just figure it out as we go. And as a side note, I, one of the one of my pet peeves is when podcasters come on after a break let's say and then they apologize <laughs> for for the absence and and i'm always thinking to myself you know there are all these other podcasts i'm listening to it's not like it's not like i was sitting here in a dungeon with nothing to do because you didn't produce your little show and i'm very aware of that with you and that you have other things that compete for attention so I, I appreciate you giving me this however amount of time this was and hope you have a good day thank you so much <laughs>